Ron Hamilton, Rory Levandusky in studio with us this morning here on Behind the Scenes over Worcester Radio, 104.5 WQKT and AM 960 WKVX. Rory, happy to see you again. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Ron. Good morning. Well, on previous programs with Rory, we talked about the negative effect of persistent rainfall in wet soils, which lead to delayed planting. Of course, we saw a lot of that this year. Acres not planted at all and difficulties in making quality hay, especially dry hay. Today, we're discussing how to feed and use poor quality hay. Um, So obviously, this is something designed to, if it's not dry, if you can't put it up, can't use it, at least it's not just going completely to waste. Rory, before we delve into more, can you begin by defining exactly what poor quality hay is? Sure, that's a good question, Ron. Uh, So most livestock producers are pretty good at making a visual appraisal of hay, and they can kind of generally lump that into categories of that's high quality, that's, you know, maybe moderate or medium quality hay, and that's low quality hay. Uh, But this year, we're using that term as poor, low quality to really describe a lot of our first cut hay that was uh, baled as dry hay in that late June or even early July period. Uh, At that point, those 4-H plants had produced seed heads, uh, meaning those plants were also very stemmy. So high fiber contents, uh, much of that hay obviously had uh, maybe even been rained on uh, as well before it actually got baled. So we expect that hay is going to have low crude protein values, high fiber content, and low energy content. So uh, that's kind of how we would define it. Those are general terms. They don't really give us enough information about how to feed this hay, especially in terms of livestock performance and the possible need for supplemental nutrition. So that's that's kind of the, the limit of those general terms. Well, the obvious follow-up question is, how do we get that more specific forage information? What kind of information do we need to predict livestock's performance and or the need for supplemental nutrition then. Right. So to get beyond that uh, general quality descriptions, again, of either, you know, poor, medium, or high quality hay, and to be able to talk about that actual nutrient levels uh, requires a forage lab analysis. So at a minimum, uh, hay test analysis should include dry matter content, crude protein percentage, some form of energy measurement. Uh, that could either be uh, total digestible nutrients, and most of our producers are going to think TDN, or maybe that net energy. Uh, a lot of our dairy producers are familiar with that, so net energy for, for milk production, uh, or some of our beef might think net energy in terms of gain. And then a fiber content that would include things like acid detergent fiber or maybe neutral detergent fiber. Those numbers then are necessary to formulate rations, uh, estimate animal performance, and estimate animal intake of that forage. To get reliable numbers requires you take a good representative forage sample. Uh, That, of course, is another topic, and we've talked about that. Uh, But I can provide information on how to sample forages for any interested listener. Using those forage test nutrient measurements, then, can, can you now provide a more specific example of what poor quality hay looks like specifically this year? Sure. Um, well, in a, in a uh, July Extension Beef Cattle letter posting, Stan Smith, who is the Extension Program Assistant in Fairfield County, used an example of a grass hay that had been mowed on June 25th of this year, baled on June 29th, and uh, in between mowing and baling, actually it got lightly rained on. So probably pretty typical for what we see this year. Uh, that hay had a crude protein content of 6.8%, an ADF or acid detergent fiber content of 52%, and a neutral detergent fiber NDF content of 66%. 
uh, TDN level, which is our energy measurement, was 38%, and uh, net energy for maintenance was 0.24 megacals per pound. Now, those nutrient measurements are probably going to be in the ballpark for a lot of dry hay that got bailed in that late June period. And the key here is that whenever hay has a crude protein content below 10%, uh, whenever that NDF level is more than 60 and TDN below 50, which uh, th this uh, hay example had, you truly have a really poor quality hay on your hands. Uh, it's going to have limited uh, utilization for livestock feed. Uh, if fed at the, to the wrong stage of animal, definitely going to have to do a lot of supplementation. So again, those measurements really help us to begin to zero in on how and where to use that type of forage. Rory, at this point, I'm guessing that you have to match hay test nutrient results with livestock nutrient results. How do you get those livestock nutrient requirements so you can, can match them up? Right, Ron, you're, you're correct. Uh, that's exactly what we need to do. Uh, knowing the livestock nutrient requirements, that's the next piece in the puzzle of figuring out how then they use that, that poor quality hay. So for each species of livestock, <clears throat> the National Research Council, or NRC, publishes a periodically and updated nutrient requirements. It's based on production classes. For female animals, they look at things like early and mid gestation. Uh, those are separate production classes. Uh, and then we get into early, mid, and late lactation stages. Uh, so those are some examples. So they're breaking it down by where that animal is, either in its gestation period or its lactation period. Early lactation has the highest nutrient requirements, while early gestation after weaning or a dry ewe might have the lowest nutrient requirements. Our guest in studio again today, Rory Levendusky, talking about uh, feeding and then using poor quality hay. Once we have hay test nutrient results and we have those NRC livestock nutrient requirements you talked about, how can you briefly walk us through the next step in deciding how to best use that poor quality hay. Sure. Well, now at this point, then it becomes about potential forage intakes and kind of then how much money you can afford to spend on supplementation. So ideally, especially for things like beef cows, sheep, and dry dairy cows, we would like to meet the nutrient needs uh, either totally with forage or a very high percentage of that forage. The goal is really to avoid buying protein and energy supplementation. Lactating dairy cows are obviously very different. Uh, we're going to have to supplement. We want to keep that, that milk production up there. So we're going to add grain and other feeds to the forage mix as expected. But uh, back to that intake. Forage intake is highly correlated with that neutral detergent fiber NDF level. Generally, we expect beef, cattle, sheep, and dry dairy cows to consume about 1.1% of their body weight in dry matter NDF. Uh, so the issue here, uh, when you think about that, is that as NDF fiber increases, the rate of fiber passage through the rumen and digestive system decreases. It just stays in the rumen, doesn't move through. So that means that we get decreased intake. In order to have higher intake, we have to be moving material through, creating space in the rumen. If we have high fiber, it just sits there, doesn't move through. Can you provide an example, uh, Rory, to, to maybe better help illustrate your point for folks out there listening on the radio. Sure. Well, uh, for example, let's say I have a 1,500-pound cow. Uh, I expect she's going to consume, again, about 1.1% of her, her body weight uh, dry in dry matter uh, NDF. So I can multiply that 1,500 times 0.011, uh, the decimal 
fraction of 1.1%. Uh, that gives me about 16.5 pounds of NDF fiber on a dry matter basis. If I have high quality hay that would be say roughly 40% NDF, that cow could consume 41 pounds of that type of hay. But now that same cow, if I have that 66 NDF fiber that I mentioned in that earlier example of poor quality hay baled uh, in late June, that cow would only be able to consume 25 pounds of that type of hay, so big difference. Feeding low quality hay to an animal in late gestation or early lactation means I'm gonna to have to provide a lot of costly supplements to meet their nutrient needs. And in some cases, it might not even be possible to actually meet their needs. So I really wanna feed that poor quality hay to livestock that have the lowest nutrient requirement and minimize the cost of supplementing nutrients. Rory, are there any management practices or strategies that livestock owners can use to ensure that, that poor quality hay is fed with a minimal amount of supplementation so it's not something that you've got to go overdo? Right. That's another good question, Ron. And there are a couple of strategies here. Um, obviously, again, feed your poorest quality hay before animals reach late gestation. Uh, so, again, knowing when those animals are bred, when they're going to... Uh, have their, uh, their young, you have to know that, and then feed them early on. So the issue here really then becomes the inventory management. If you think about it, in practice on most farms, hay is fed by kind of the last in, first out method. You're, you're piling hay in the barn, and so the last day you put in, it's the first stuff that comes out. And so that means it's getting fed earliest in the year, but that's when animals tend to be at that early gestation sta stage. So this year, uh, do you really want to be feeding that first quality hay as the last hay out? You know, probably not because that you're gonna that means you'd be feeding that hay either close to uh, calving time or close to when uh, you're gonna have be lambs, uh, or you're gonna be feeding it maybe at early lactation. Not a, a good strategy. So I really would encourage people to make the effort to rearrange your hay and storage to reflect when that hay matches up to your livestock nutrient requirements. So for many producers, that might mean that that first cut hay should be stacked and stored so that it's the first hay fed this fall as our pasture season ends. So gonna have to do a little bit of rearranging uh, maybe in your storage shed. Rory, you, you said that there were a couple of management practices. Is there another practice that could be used to better utilize poor quality hay? Yeah, so actually chopping or shredding hay is another strategy that can be used and it goes back to reducing the, the that forage particle size, otherwise the, the animal's putting the energy into doing that. So research conducted at the Ohio State University demonstrated that chopping hay increases intake because as particle size is decreased in the rumen, uh, the bacteria in the rumen have more surface area to attach to. Uh, that results in an increased rate of digestion and that rate of passage through the rumen. In the study that was done, uh, chopping hay allowed cows to eat 25 to 30 percent more energy. And so while this may not be an option for everyone, think about the cost of chopping hay in terms of equipment and labor uh, versus the cost of additional supplementation. So for some small farms, uh, maybe even you know purchasing something like uh, one of those industrial mulch shredders used by landscape companies might be a worthwhile investment to make that happen. All right, Rory, um, as we wrap things up here this morning, let everyone know where they can find out more information about today's topic, if you would. Yeah, they can contact the Wayne County Extension Office at 330-264-8722. Uh, these broadcasts are also available as podcasts.
Fox News, I'm Lillian Wu. Sharp words after a secret presidential sit-down with the Taliban is abruptly canceled. The Taliban putting out a statement saying in part... This will lead to more losses to the U.S. Its credibility will be affected. Its ATP stance will be exposed to the world. Losses to lives and assets will increase. Fox's Kevin Cork, some lawmakers criticizing the president for trying to bring Taliban officials to the U.S. Congress back from summer recess today.